book of Acts chapter 2, put, bring, open it up, put, get up to about verse 40, put your finger in there, put your little marker in there. Let me say this to you while you're turning in your Bible, bring your Bibles. Y'all getting quiet. Y'all getting quiet on me again. That's all right. I'm going to keep working you. I, bring your Bibles to church. I, I'm going to tell you this, and I said it last week. We got to be a word-carrying, word-reading, word-believing church. Leave your phones at home. They're distractions. Hello. I don't care about you posting on social media what we're doing in church. I care about you getting the word. I don't care about where you're going to lunch after service. I don't care about you balancing your bank account. I care about the word because the word will change every circumstance and every situation around you. But now that you've opened your Bibles and now that you've got to the book of Acts chapter 2 and you're holding your finger there, let me kind of catch you up for a second. We have been on a mission over the last two weeks to rediscover, uncover, and even launch the church back to its original design. The model that was laid out for us in the book of Acts. But unfortunately, that design has eluded most churches. And on a large scale, and in many cases, it doesn't even exist today. But now is the time. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now is the time. Right now is the hour that the church must stand up and take its place. Not standing on emotion and opinions, but on the truth of the word of God. This will bring us into alignment as the church, and we will walk in a consistent relationship with him. We must stop living on hope that he will come and start running with the belief that God is here right now in this moment. Can I take a sidebar? We have got to get away from the thought process in the church that hoping one day he will come. He has already come. Get on board. He is here. It is amazing to me how believers today act like God's not even in the room. Where are we at? Is he omnipresent? Or is he just present when we want him? Trust me, he sees everything. We can no longer hoard the masses in our churches, preach the feel-good message, and watch them live a quasi, half-hearted, come-and-go relationship with God. Y'all, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. I wore bright green shoelaces today because I felt the anointing this morning. I was telling my wife back there, I said, I look, I got green shoes. I said, you see the green on my shirt? She goes, no, I just see blue. Dang it, man. Okay. Listen to me. The days of preaching the feel-good sermons are over. The feel-good sermons are walking people to hell. Do y'all understand that? Oh, come here. It's going to be your best life. It's okay. It's okay if you sin. God understands. No, he doesn't. The Bible says very clearly the wages of sin is what? What do you mean? That's a grave? No, that means hell. (gasps) He said hell in church. Maybe that's the problem. We need to say hell a little bit more so we fear it a little more. Come on, let's be honest. We don't fear hell anymore. We don't even fear gory movies anymore. We watch demonic things on our television and then go, hell, what's that? It's because we brought hell to earth rather than escape hell because we're heaven bound. We, we don't teach these things anymore. We, we don't preach the undefiled word of God. We preach the comfort, cozy, let me make you feel good about your existence. Listen, there ain't a day in my life that God has made me feel comfy and cozy. He is all about change. He has requirements and standards for my life. But let me help you with something. His plan, his process, and his promise on the other side of this is far greater than anything Brian can physically obtain in this earth. See, when I say that, people go, no, I like my big house, and I like my cars. And you keep chasing the Joneses rather than chasing God. 
And you wonder why you have no peace and why you can't sleep and why there's unrest in your family and why there's unrest in the earth because we are chasing everything else rather than chasing God. The heart of a person needs to change and we must return to the discipleship model. Making disciples of Christ, not likes on social media. Can I just say this to you with love? I don't really, I'm not bothered whether you like me or not. I have a responsibility to declare the kingdom of God, to declare the gospel, the word of God. Anything shy of that is rebellion and witchcraft. It is sin for me to do anything other than that. Do you understand that it is not about me having friendship with you? It's about you finishing the race and me in it for the long haul till you cross the finish line. I don't want to see you die and go to hell. Oops, I said it again. Pastor, why do you keep saying hell? Because I'm going to keep saying it till you understand it still exists. So in week one, the first week, we dealt with Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 41. It says with this, it says, And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. How many of y'all know we live in a perverse generation? Turn your TV on. It's there. Amen. We live in a perverse generation. He said, Be saved from this perverse generation. That means that Jesus knew that we were in a perverse generation. Nothing's changed, but we have to change. Be in this world, not of this world. Hello. Do not conform to the ways of the world. Okay. It goes on in verse 41. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In the first week, we discussed the plan that Peter testified about. The first step was that we needed to gladly receive the word of God. True transformation comes when we receive the word and stop trying to find fault or even misconstrue its meaning. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar real fast? We have been twisting scripture to fit our sin and flesh rather than twisting our sin and flesh to fit the scriptures. Oh, if we took our sin and flesh and wrung it out over the word rather than try to wring out the word into our sin and flesh, squeezing and diluting so that we can feel good about ourselves. Listen, I'm going to keep saying this to you. Sin is not God's plan for your life. It's your plan for your life. Hello. It's your plan because you were born into this world in sin. You had to come to an understanding of Christ. But now that you have an understanding of Christ, it says, I've put away the old things. I've left those things which are behind and I press on towards the mark of the high calling in Christ. But in order to press on towards the mark, the mark is right here. This is the mark. Pastor, I need an instruction manual. Somebody posted the other day. It was really funny. How do I do it? It's like a guy holding, like, pointing at the Bible, like, like, come on. We, we, we've got to get back to this. It's not enough to hear me preach. It's not enough to show up on Sundays. It's not enough to just feel good about going to church. We got to get back to the Word of God so that our vocabulary change, so our perversion change. Can, can I just say this? Peter said we, we be saved from a perverse generation. Sometimes we need to be saved from a perverse church. Do you know that perversion is not a sexual sin? Perversion is anything altered from its original design. <laughs> and in today's church, we have altered because we got rid of the altar. 
We don't even make it a priority to get saved anymore. We just say, go home and feel better about yourself. Are you crazy? Without change, nothing shifts. Without salvation, you're still going to hell. Once again, he said the hell word again in some popular preaching. True transformation comes when we receive the word. Stop trying to find fault or even misconstrue its meaning. Stop grabbing scriptures and trying to sling it at your sin. Sling your sin into the word and watch it be eaten up. The second step was to be baptized. First, gladly receive the word. Second, get baptized. We have placed this step on the back burner. This is more than just a declaration of faith, more than just the next step. It is the first and foremost, it is obedience. It is the cutting away of the sinful nature, and it prepares you and I. Watch, here it comes, because it's word. It prepares you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. Okay, then you don't know about the God stuff, then you don't know about the Jesus stuff, then you just kind of get thrown away the whole thing because you cannot have God and Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And you can't have the Jesus without God and the Holy Spirit, and you can't have the Holy Spirit without God and Jesus. You've got to have the three in one. If you try to take one piece, that's like this. If I grab my Bible and I tear out a whole section, is it still the Bible? No, because its parts are missing. You can't have a space and have things missing. In, us, in, in believers today, we have things missing. And here's the sad part is, we have completely abandoned Holy Spirit. Woo! I don't want that. That's that weird church stuff. That's that, that's that, that's that speaking in tongues stuff. That's, that's not in the Bible. Did you read your Bible? It is in here, baby. And I'm preaching New Testament. The grace. I'm preaching New Testament. I don't believe in that. If you can't believe in that, then what do you believe? Do you want to know why the power in the church has left? Because we're still grabbing a hold of Jesus' death and resurrection rather than the Holy Spirit that came to give us power. We're still over here going, oh, why did Jesus have to die? He needed to die so the Holy Spirit could come so we could go do. We're still sitting at the tomb going, I don't understand. And the Holy Spirit's going, get up already. We got work to do. There are things to be said in this hour. There are prayers to be prayed in this hour. There is healings to be manifested in this hour. There are Walmarts to be touched in this hour. I mean, like you go to Walmart and start praying for people and start believing that God can use you. I know this sounds crazy and radical, but welcome to my world. Amen. There, there are neighbors that need Jesus, yet we just keep idly watching them sin and live in life and like, it's not my responsibility. What if you were judged for not talking to your neighbor? And you think it won't happen? They might not receive, but you can't afford to not say. So in week one and week two, we dealt with gladly receiving the word and getting baptized. These are the two areas of the foundation. They're the foundation, the bedrock of the church. They're the bedrock. They're the first steps of the church. And when we make it as such, we can begin to rebuild or build for the first time a house that God can actually dwell in. Week two, we dealt with Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In the first part, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You go, Pastor, you ain't even gotten to the word yet. I know, just broke your seatbelt. Steadfastly means fixed in direction, unwavering, firm in purpose, resolution, and faith. Come on, let's be honest. The church, doesn't be, the church isn't steadfast today. The church is hypocritical. The church is wavering. The church comes and goes as it appeases them. I, I, I grew up in an era where you went to church. And if you were sick on a Sunday morning, you got drugged to church. Mama, I don't feel good. Get up, Jesus will heal you. Now it's like, eh. And I'm going to say this to you as well. And I'm gonna, I told you it's going to get tight. It's going to get real tight around here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Men have to start leading their homes. 
Stop sitting around waiting for your spouse to do it. Be the priest and king that God's called you to be. I didn't say di dictator and overruler. I said priest and king of your home. Baby, I love you. And we can't grow together separate from each other. So let's get up. Let's wake the children up. I know they don't want to get up. I know they stayed up all night. But we got to go to the house of God because we're going to grow together in relationship with him. Because as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. What happened to the steadfast church? What happened to the no excuse church? Come on, work with me for a second. We are all guilty of excuses. Every one of us in this room, you say you're not, you're lying. We are all guilty of making excuses why it's not important, why it's not that, why, 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 why I, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. Maybe that's the problem. You're trying to feel too much instead of be filled to overflowing. If you turn your feelings into fillings, you might just be changed. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Let God come upon you and us, us start to go steadfastly. Something that the church, something the church must be and do now more than ever. We must be steadfast. But in what? But in what? The attendance of Sunday morning? No. In, 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 our, in our demonstrations that we still got it? No. In our parishioner pride because sometimes we think that we came out the womb saved? No. Or sometimes we think we're more holier than the one that just walked in the door and got saved for the first time? No. He says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' what? Doctrine. What? The word that was preached. The word that was declared. The word that was given by the one who was orchestrated to be in that moment to bring the word of God. We talked about how in today's culture the pastor is not honored in the church any longer. Pastor, you said that. Ah, you doggone right I did. I didn't say celebrityed. I said honored. Not for who they were, but for what they brought. I need you to understand that when I stand at this pulpit, this is not Brian's word. This is the word of God. There are moments where God tells me to say something. I tell you this because I always go, I don't know if I want to say this. And then Kirk just looks at me and goes, And it's because I can't get it. I'm like, ah, I got to get it out. I got to get it out. Because it's not, and I know if I let this out, it's going to offend some people. Here's the great thing about offense. It's biblical. It is not biblical. God, I, I'm, I'm offended that you said offense is biblical. Jesus said offenses will come. Do y'all know who the biggest offender was in the Bible? Jesus. That brother offended everybody. You want to know why I know that? Because thousands were saved. Because the word offense is translated change. That's it. The only reason we get offended is because we don't like to change. So I'm going to take every, I'm going to take out the blessings. I'm going to put those in my pocket. But all that other stuff about hell and sin and all that, no, that's for somebody else. Baby, you can't get the blessings if you're walking to hell. We talked about how in today's culture the pastor is not honored in the church any longer. He is all too often surrounded by vultures who don't desire to lead. They just long to destroy. He is punished, rejected, and even abandoned when he declares truth that exposes sin and causes accountability in one's walk as a believer. A lot of it's because the message that is being preached in today's church, it's an easy, soft-hearted word, soft word that creates a weak version of what God has called us to be. Roaring lions, not meowing kittens. I am not okay with you walking to church and go, let's roar, and you go, meh. 
The Bible says you will be bold as lions, not whispering kittens. Are you afraid of a kitten? No, you're like, oh, feral cat, run away. They're more skittish of you than you probably are of them. And that's we, that's the church today. Oh God, run. The devil comes, run away, instead of going, come on, bring it. I got something for you. The word that's being declared in the church should be something that causes you to roar again, not whisper, not whine, not complain, not fuss, not, not do the things that we typically do on social media. But really declare the word of God. Could you imagine, for just a second, God, I got a lot to say today. Could you imagine just for a second if we all in this room decided for the next week to only post the word of God on social media? <laughs> Your friends might wonder what's wrong with you. Or they might actually find out what's right with you. Oh, pastor, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't take away my, my flesh space. What if, yeah, there used to be a thing called MySpace. Yeah, y'all remember that one, amen. I showed, showed my age a little bit on that one. And uh, it was funny, since some church folk created a thing called HisSpace, which I thought was the stupidest thing ever. Because MySpace infiltrated his space. Kind of sounds like the world we live in today. We're saying, I exalt thee. That means you're not exalted any longer. That means we stop caring about what everybody thinks about what we do and start caring what God declares. Okay, sidebar. I'm trying to get into my message. Amen. A lot of us, a lot of it's because of the message that's being preached in today's church. But the other situation is that the church has lost respect for the pastor in the local church. And as long as the pastor is preaching the uncompromised word of God, then we should respect, support, and pray for, and protect him in the office of pastor. I shared this with you last week. There are no physical apostles in the earth today. The apostles were defined as one of the 12 that were an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. There are no apostles, according to Scripture, in the earth today, there are people who operate in apostolic anointings, which is a fatherly anointing because the apostles were the early fathers of the church. Okay, so there are people that operate over churches as apostles and in the apostolic anointing. But watch this the prophet birthed the apostle, the apostle birthed the preacher, teacher, and evangelist. So in the earth right now, what is moving is the preacher, teacher, and evangelist. That is what's moving and operating in the earth right now. And what's unfortunate is, is that we do not have respect for, in a lot of cases, the one that stands to the pulpit has been studying all week long to not get a word to make themselves feel good, but to declare a word that would bring change and revelation and shift so that we could actually be the church that God desires. Okay, we must stop trying to expose and start praying. Do you understand that the weight of the, weight of the decision of a pastor, it is double? It is double. I am judged doubly for my decision to stand here and preach to you. Now that we've begun to build the walls of the church, now that we've gladly received the word of the Lord, now that we're operating steadfastly in the, operating steadfastly, uh, in, in the word that's preached, it goes on in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Watch, here it comes. And in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Hello. This speaks to relationship. This speaks to friendship. In this hour, we need this more than ever. Have you looked at the news lately? 
where's the friendship gone? Where's the love gone? Where's the relationship? Most believers today are isolated and alone. They will make statements like, all I need is Jesus. But that's not even the way God designed it. God did not design you to only need Jesus. The Bible says, where need two are gathered, agreeing upon one thing, in Christ shall be done. There is power in numbers. There is power in relationship. But the problem is most of us flee from relationship because most of us have been broken by relationship. But here, can I just say this to you? You will stop being broken in relationship when you give the broken pieces to God and understand that people are human. Stop making God pay the price for what other people did. People are not always going to love and like you. But if Christ dwells in you, you are a ride or die to the finish line. You will stay in that thing and love and support as long as you can. Through Christ, he gives you the strength to do it. But he says that they continued in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. This morning, we're going to talk about that this morning. Number one, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Hello. Well, Pastor, we're here at church. We're in fellowship. Nah. You're in assembly. You're in one accord in worship. You're in one accord in the word. But that is not what he's describing here as fellowship. This was no ordinary coming together to hang out and be in the same room just to say, look what we did. This was not a random invitation to just have dinner. This fellowship was one birthed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It was created by what the Bible calls in the Greek koinonia. Koinonia to be, it means to be drawn together by intimate participation. Intimate participation. Can I just be honest with you? The church is as bad as the world is today. Because, man, I love you. Man, I don't know what's wrong with that person. Man, you, you're so awesome. I never invite them to my house. Man, I'm praying for you. I'm not praying. Well, there, there, is, there, is, there is no koinonia in the Bible that, that, that we're not operating it anymore because we are not, and, and, and please do not twist this word, we are not intimate in relationship with each other. In other words, I need your heart connected more than your flesh is connected. Because intimacy comes from the heart, not from the hands and feet. Intimacy comes from what's on the inside. You have to have a heart for one another. This, this intimacy, this relationship that God's talking about in fellowship is one that is connected through intimacy, through the heart. This fellowship was an investment, a contribution, a joint participation, but one that did not discriminate or tear apart, one that unified and brought oneness. This kind of thing that is, this is the kind of thing that's needed now, right now. You might not agree with each other, you might have, I'm going to say it, you might have voted for President Trump. You might have voted for someone else. It doesn't even matter. Shut up and love each other. It's amazing to me. We can love sinners more than we love each other. Well, it's because, well, at least I know where they're going, and we're okay with that. Wait, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. It is amazing to me how political agendas have separated, segregated, and divided us. I'm going to really bust some stuff in here. People think because of the color of this lily white skin, <laughs> automatically, automatically, that I voted for Trump. Which in culture equates you're a racist. And it's because no one ever took the time to get to know my heart. Yeah. 
No one ever took the time to sit down and break bread with me. No one ever got to the intimacy of relationship. They just got to the judgmental pointing of their own flesh. And that is what we're doing to each other. We are spending too much time dividing stupid stuff, living in, in, in semantics rather than getting to know one another. Do you understand what sits in this room? Do you understand what kind of stories resist rest in this room? Do you understand what kind of friendships could be in this room if we would just get over our own selves and step into that place of fellowship with each other? You might find out that your brother really is your brother. I love it, but Judah and I joke about this all the time. Rodney, Judah refers to Rodney as Uncle Rod. That's his Uncle Rodney. No, he's not. He's a black man. Shut up! That's his Uncle Rodney. But you know why he's his Uncle Rodney? Because he's invested in relationship with Judah. It is not bound by a skin color. It is bound by a heart. And if we as a people would get back to the heart of fellowship, we would see the world change. But no, we're too busy standing in our house going, I'm right and you're wrong. No, you're stupid and you need to get over yourself. I am so sick of the noise. And the church sits back quietly. says, let's just pray. Shut up. Get off your blessed assurance and do something. Stand up for righteousness. Stand against injustice. And declare ye the word of the Lord. Because it is the only thing that formed the earth. And it is the only thing that will change the earth. It is time that we stop dividing each other. If I am bound by the color of my skin, then you will not take the time to see the content and character of my heart. And you will find out if you sit with me long enough, you'll find that God is bigger than I am, and I am all about change. This fellowship was not ordinary. This fellowship is what's got to be rebirthed in the church. A love for each other and a desire to spend time with each other. A desire to glean from each other, even if you disagree. It is okay to disagree. I've heard people tell me, well, if you voted for if you voted for Hillary, God's not in you. Shut up. If sin is in you, you're not holy. But if you made a decision to vote for somebody, you're not going to hell. But yet the church will send you there. Because it is easier to separate than it is to fellowship. Maybe if we would have caught what they did in the book of Acts, we might not be where we are today. Oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Here it comes. Maybe if we adhere to the book of Acts, slavery actually would have ended rather than continued. Maybe. Maybe we would have adhered to godly fellowship. But maybe all this other stuff happened because we actually rejected God and walked away from him and then wanted to claim the position and the, the thought of it but not walk the life of it. This is the kind of thing we need in this hour, but why are we not seeing it here in the church today? Where's the fellowship? Unfortunately, fellowship in the church today comes with a price tag attached. 
And it's only available to the highest bidder. This fellowship was relational, but in today's church, we see each other but don't know each other. We say we love each other, but that's just a passive formality to create the sense of fellowship. Hey, I love you, bro. I love you. That brother just told me he loved me. He never said two words to me in my life. How's he telling me he loves me? He don't know me. How can he say he loves me? See, we've created even a false sense of love, even in the church, because we dump the word love like it's just a formality. When, when I say it, and I say it a lot, you can ask anybody, I tell everybody I love them, but it's because my heart really beats for them. I'll give up my time. I'll sacrifice time with my family so that I can be there with them. I, I, that's my heart. That's my heart. But see, you've got to see the fruit on the tree. You can't just claim the tree's good. True godly fellowship is not just loving, but walking with one another, standing with one another, not looking for the win, but desiring to finish the race together. Nobody left behind. He says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. And then he goes on, he says, and in the breaking of bread. Now watch this. This breaking of bread was not just the observing of communion with other believers. Although it, it, it's, it's written that they probably took communion at these moments, but it was more about you sitting down at the table and just breaking and having dinner together. And I've heard this a lot over the last few months, that, man, if we would just start inviting each other to dinner, and I don't mean to the restaurant because that's not personal. I mean into your homes. Come see me and I'll come see you. Can we sit down together as one and break bread? Watch. Breaking bread was not just observing communion. It meant to literally sit down and have a meal. The breaking of bread breaks, the breaking of bread breaks down barriers and builds connections. It places each one of us at the same table and says we are equals in Christ. This breaking of bread destroys racial barriers, end pains, ends pain, and creates lasting relationships. It is an intimate thing to break bread. At the table, you have no position or title. You're just another believer sharing in the promise that God gave us through Jesus. I'm not, I, you come to my house, I'm not pastor, sorry. I'm Brian. You're going to see me act up a little bit, amen. I'm going to be in gym shorts and a t-shirt and probably a ball cap. That is the way I live. This is not an everyday apparel for me. I, I, my, my own daughter goes, Dad, we're going to go tomorrow together, but you can't wear your gym shorts and t-shirt and ball cap. I said, well, I guess you're going by yourself then. Praise the Lord. Because that's your daddy. Amen. No, like, when, when, oh, come on, seriously. Like, at, at home, you'll take your shoes off. At home, you'll relax a little bit. At home, you'll let people in. But see, here's the problem. We don't want to let everybody in because the church you is not the home you. Because we say we love each other in church, but when we get home, we say other things. Well, if, if I was the pastor, I'd have done it this way, and I don't like how Pastor Brian talks to me, and I don't, I don't, know, why I can't, I don't know why I can't ever get a, me a meeting with him. I don't know why he doesn't return my phone call, and I don't know why he... <sighs> Sorry, I had to breathe there for a second. Maybe I have a family of six. Maybe I need to take a nap like you do. Maybe I'm going through stuff that you don't even know about, but yet because I don't give you what you want, you get mad about it. But yet we do that to each other too. We treat each other as if we're on some kind of demand rather than relationship. If, if you can't get me and you can't get me, maybe pray for me because I might be going through something. 
Don't automatically assume that I'm rejecting and I've got hatred towards you and that I just don't care about you and I don't want a relationship with you. But maybe, just maybe, I'm going through something. Maybe like a couple weeks back, people were calling me and I was actually in the ER, in the hospital being admitted. I was trying to call you. I was trying to call you. You never answered. You never answered. You never answered. I was in the hospital. I'm sorry. My bad. I'll consult next time. None of y'all did that. I'm just making that for you. The truth be told is at the end of the day, we don't love each other. We just like each other a lot. We don't have true fellowship. We don't break bread together. We base it on the formalities of a restaurant and say, look, God, look what we did. Have they seen the real you yet? I don't want to bring my house. My house is a mess. So what? My house is always a mess. I got four kids, and every one of them like to make messes. And every day, we have to clean up the house again. So if somebody comes over and goes, it's a mess, welcome. I don't know what you expect from me. You said you wanted to come over. Here it is. Yay. Now, I'm that way. Tiffany's like, uh-uh, nope, no, we're cleaning everything. It's like spring cleaning. Somebody's coming over. Don't ever, don't ever, ever ask my wife to throw a party at my house. Please don't. I'm begging you. It is like pandemonium of cleaning. I'm like, babe, they're, they're coming over for 15 minutes. It's not that serious. But it's all got to be spotless. But that's not reality. I'm trying. I'm using my sermon right now to put my wife at ease so that next time somebody comes over, we're not like, ah! The kids are all running around, run! When was the last time you broke bread with somebody? When was the last time you went to lunch and invited somebody into this room to go sit down at a table with you and break bread and just listen to them? Can I help you with something? Don't invite somebody to break bread with you because you have something to say. Invite somebody to break bread with you because you have ears to listen. Because if we would be better at listening than speaking, we might see change. But we're too busy trying to be the end all of answers and opinions into everyone's life. You are not God. Shut up and listen. Because let me be honest with you, all of us want to be heard. Every one of you in this room desire to be heard and listened to. And when, some, when you invite somebody, don't do it with the understanding of, I got something to say. I'm going to get something off my chest. I got to tell them what's up. No. Shh. Hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? How can I love you more? How can I stand with you more? How can I pray for you more? How can I be a brother, not just a visitor on Sundays? How can I be a sister to you instead of a whatever? Just had to be careful. Amen. It's time that we get to that place of desiring to have fellowship. But he says in the fellowship and in breaking of bread. And some theologians say that those two spaces actually coincided with each other. They didn't get broken apart, but some scripture has a comma in there to give it differential. But I believe that fellowship bursts the breaking of bread. You have to have the heart to get together, and then you do the thing. Got it? Okay, so it says, in the breaking of bread, and, and here's where it ends in, it says, and in what? These words were not just prayers, but praying for one another. It says in prayers, which means there were more than one, which means I'm not going to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to pray for you till the end. 
I have now joined the perpetual prayer club. And so when you and I become friends and fellowship and in the breaking of bread, I am committed to you in prayer above everything, above everything. And if my mouth begins to speak anything alternate to that, let my tongue cleave to my top of the roof of my mouth. Let my lips be silenced because I am no longer in fellowship. I am now in judgment. These were not just prayers just prayed. They were praying for one another. When was the last time we earnestly prayed for one another? Because we were one rather than it being an assignment at the end of a service to show unity. Come on, guys. Grab the hand of the neighbor next to you. Good pray for the next 60 seconds. And most people are looking at me going, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Like deers caught in headlights. But yet when you want prayer, man, we got to get the church together to pray. Being unified is not an assignment, but rather a desire because the love of God binds us together. What better way to demonstrate the relationship than by fervently praying for one another? You call me and go, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Man, you're going to change my day. There, there are times, uh, and, and, and I'm just going to throw them out there just because I can. Sean sends me text messages sometimes. You never ask me for nothing. Hey, Pastor, love you, man. I hope you're having a great day. <laughs> you're waiting for the dot, dot, dot in the text message because you know something's going to, you're waiting. But it's a relationship not based on the do, but on the heart. It's a relationship that has a desire to let one another know, hey, I love you. I love you. What was it the other day? I was, I was driving through Popeye's. No, I didn't get Popeyes. My wife's looking at me like, yo, mama, you didn't go through Popeyes. <laughs> My mama's in the room. Okay. No, I didn't go to Popeyes. I got Popeyes for Judah. I know. Y'all leave him alone. He wanted a chicken sandwich. And I'm a sucker for my kids, all right? So I got him a Popeyes sandwich because he thinks Popeyes chicken sandwiches are better than Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwiches. I'll let y'all fight it out in the parking lot. Amen. Okay. Fellowship, breaking of bread. Y'all go to Popeye's and find out together. Amen. Okay. Are we going to Popeye's after church, Pastor? We eating that chicken. Okay. All right. So, so I took it to Popeye's, and Kelly messaged me. She said, Pastor, don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't do it, Pastor. Don't do Popeye's. Don't do it. I responded with, it wasn't for me. It was for my boy. I went to Chick-fil-A and got a grilled chicken sandwich, praise the Lord. Okay. But can I be honest with you? Although it was funny and it was a joke, it was still love. Because she wants me to live long. See, we got to see each other that way. Stop looking at it as ha-ha funny moments. Yeah, it was funny. I was laughing. I was dying laughing in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. I was like, that's hilarious. Now let me bring some correction, amen, because I need to think I'm eating Popeye's, Amen. Although it did smell really good when I drove through the drive um, But I know her love for me and my family. And that her, although she was joking, there was some seriousness attached to that. Pastor, don't give in to sin, Pastor. Don't give in. I know the devil is walking, but do not give in. He comes, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But don't let him kill you today. Jesus let him know, God. I can just hear her praying in the spirit in her car. <laughs> Jesus! Touch, Pastor. Speak to him now. Holy Ghost. Arrest his heart and his mind. 
Say no, Jesus, say no. I could just hear it. Was that pretty close, Kelly? Was that pretty close? Amen. She almost got around the car and ran around, but I was like, praise God, she didn't go that far. Amen. Why is it we don't pray for each other? Do you understand that prayer, watch this, prayer creates a greater desire for fellowship, which creates a greater desire for breaking of bread, which creates more prayer, which creates greater fellowship, which creates more breaking of bread, which creates more prayer. Do y'all see the cycle now? So we laid the foundation. These are the walls of the house. Hello. This is how the house stands and protects. This is how we cover each other. It's through fellowship, through the breaking of bread, through praying for one another. Can I be honest with you? I've gotten so convicted by this scripture. Because a lot of times people go, my wife will even say, hey, you want to invite somebody? Nope. Can I be honest with you? Can I just be honest with you? There's a reason behind it. I'll just be honest with you. Because I don't always want to be on. There are times that I just want to, I don't want to talk. I don't want to preach. I don't even want to minister. I just want to be quiet. I want to be dad and husband. But even in some of this, like Tiff and I have been talking about inviting some pastors to dinner or to lunch or something. Because pastoring is a very lonely place. Because we have to walk in this space of being of leading consistently. There, there is no punch in a nine to five clock. It is perpetual. It never stops. And it is something that we long for. But God's been able to deal with me. He said, I need you to start inviting people in. And it won't change your relationship with them as your pastor. It will demonstrate this model that I wrote in the word. Because the apostles sat with the people and broke bread together. And prayed for them so that they would leave the house and go back into the world and fellowship with other believers and break bread with them and pray for one another so that those would go out of the house. Y'all, y'all work with me right now. Y'all see where I'm going here? This scripture has so much arrested me that we are laying out the groundwork for, instead of house groups, a thing called house to house. In other words, we're going to go from this house to a house. And do it all around breaking bread and loving each other. Why? Because that's what the Bible says to do. We've been making it all this crazy stuff. And it's so simple. He said in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in prayers for one another, this is a love God, love people standard. We've said this is the mission of this church, love God, love people. This is the standard to make that happen. It says, it goes on in verse 43, it says, Then fear, not fear of scared fear, but a deep sense of awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. In other words, once this took place, once the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the gathering, or the prayers for one another came into place, the people were so radically changed that an awe of God, an awe for God came upon them, and signs, miracles, and wonders began to happen. Listen to me. Signs, miracles, and wonders do not have to wait for Sunday. They can break free in your homes. This model is the precursor to the miraculous demonstration of God through the Holy Spirit. It is the precursor. It is, it is like, here, how much simpler can we put it? It goes on in verse 44. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Hello. You think they were all the same color of skin? Probably not. 
Not all who believe. We think they were all the same social economic class. Probably not. Think they all had it together? Probably not. But it says, now all who believed were together. In other words, they believed together. They were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. In other words, we took care of each other. Hello, Jesus. So continuing daily with what? With what? Daily with what? Jesus, come on, that's ten of y'all. Daily with what? Daily with what? That means we're together. Daily. That means I refuse to separate from you. That means there is nothing you can do that will cause me to quit loving you. Isn't that the same love that God operates under? That neither height nor depth. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Why is it we can't operate with each other like that? It goes on to verse 4, 6. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in, in the temple, in the, in the church. Can I just, let me just paraphrase it for you today in today's human vernacular. So continuing daily with one accord in what? And in the breaking of bread from house to house. That's where you get house to house coming from right there. Because we're no longer going to be a church that waits for Sunday. We're going to church, be a church that fellowships all week long so that when we come back to Sunday, it's a celebration like never before. It says that they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Do you understand what that means? When we, when we, and it's going to be a lot for me to say, when we gladly receive the word, when we decide that baptism is a principal thing, not a suggestive thing. Hello. Sit with me for a second. It's not a, it's not a, well, if you want to. No, it's word. It's Bible. When we decide to be baptized, and I mean truly baptized. I'm going to say it, not with, not with anger, not the Catholic version of baptism. This is not baptism. That's aggravation. Gladly receive the word. Be baptized. Expect the filling of the Holy Spirit. Not ignore it, not run away from it. Hey, God, if it's for me, I want it. Continue steadfastly in the word that is preached, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and praying for one another. Then we will be the church in action, unshakable, unbreakable, and irrefutable. We will be the force in the earth that the word declares us to be. This is the church. And this is what we must become. Because through this, God will be glorified. I started this series with where has the church gone? And over the last three weeks, I've tried to show you how we can bring the church back to its original glory. But we must do it as a family, not as individuals. Do not rest for me to carry the baton by myself. Let's carry it together. Let's do this in one accord according to the scripture, according to the word of God. Next week, I'm going to show you what a demonstration of the church looks like in Acts chapter 3. Everybody stand to your feet. Why are you standing to your feet? I know we've laughed. I know we've cut up. I know some of you have wondered when I was going to be done. That's okay. I'm used to it. But 
I want to say something to you as your pastor. I've heard things, seen things, read things that frankly appalled me in this season. I have watched and read more separation and pain from people that claim God than I have ever seen in my life. I'm going to say this to you. If your identity rests in pain, then you are bound to the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, that is not a statement to be made lightly against or to try to call out what is being talked about in this hour. But I need, and I'm asking, and this is going to get, this might get me shut off. That's okay. Because like I said, I have a mission. If we cannot walk in the freedom of Christ, but yet are bound to the pains of our pasts, whatever they might be, then we can never be free. I don't think there's enough apologies that can be made for the way things were back in the day or for even the things that have happened even in our present time. Look, Kirk is a police officer. You know the sad part is? People will judge him strictly because he's a police officer. Not by the content of his heart. I know Kirk very well. I know the depth of who he is. I know his love for people. Yet because of an assignment that I believe God gave him, he is thrown by the wayside because we would rather be in pain. What I'm trying to say is, is at some point, guys, all of us, black, white, yellow, purple, whatever you want to be, Can we just adhere to the freedom in Christ? I can't fix what's happened. I can't change it. But what I can do is love you with the love of God. That's all I I got. I can operate according to this model. That does not change the validity or the value of the color of your skin or or the pains of your past. But can I just say this to you? Could you imagine if every Sunday I came to this pulpit and preached from the pains of my past? This church would crumble. If I preached to you from the pains of a father who abused, a real dad who walked out before I was even born, a a, a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of of thievery, a lifestyle of jail, a a lifestyle of brokenness, a lifestyle of deceit, and I just came to you and said, but but you you know, I'm just, stop, I got free in Christ. I don't believe in freedom without you. Uh Uh-oh. Can I just say this to you? Watch this. I'm 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 just going to label it real fast. I am not free 
till Kelly's free. I am not free until Michael is free. I'm not free until Ryan is free. I'm not free until Miranda is free. I'm not free until Rodney is free. I'm not free until Courtney is free. Because my heart in God is for them. So here's what my job is. To gird up. Say, come on, let's walk in freedom together. You don't have to be who they always said you were. You are not defined by a word. You are defined by the content and character and the calling of God on your life. And please be careful in this moment not to aim in me if you've said anything contrary. I have seen pain. And I'm grieved by that pain. And my prayer is for freedom true, godly freedom. And if we think as a people, not a color, not a creed, if we think as a people that God cannot change this, then we have lost our foundation and have walked away from the things of God. We declare that scripture, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we want to declare our freedom we should stand with each other until we're free. Moses didn't take on this, the job of, of walking the Israelites out of Pharaoh's camp. And then went, well, they got out. Let's, I'm going to go my way. I did my part. Uh-uh. Because God gave them a promise and a plan to get them to the promised land. Now, did people fall off by the wayside? Yeah, they did. But no one could say that Moses quit on them. Because Moses had a mission. That the freedom in God was for everybody. Let's go get it. People always ask me, Pastor, why do you keep getting stuck back in this place? Because until it stops, we have to talk. But I'm, I'm going to say something else. I'm going to say it real quick. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't care. I don't care. All these statements, all these things that are coming out, there's so many different areas to assume that we know what everybody's talking about and the only thing we have to go on is mainstream media and so we get ourselves caught up in watching the news and then we make a lot of our judgment calls based on what we see rather than what we pray okay here goes the obedience to the Holy Spirit if you are If you are white, come stand at this altar right now. Come. Come here. I'm going to show you something. I got to show this to you. I got to show this to you. I got to show it to you. But when you come up here, turn around and face the crowd. Watch. Watch. I'm about to nail this sucker in the forehead. Come on. Squeeze in. Squeeze in. Squeeze in. Come on. Some of y'all don't want to move. I can see you move if you're white come here pastor Dylan's not in rebellion he's just working the live stream 
No, come on. All y'all white folk, come over here. Come feel. I know the center scares you. Get over here. There ain't no more room over there. Come over here. Pastor, why are you doing this? This is exactly what's wrong. You're right. Is there room? See that? Until we say that there's room at the table, we are still the same racist garbage that we've always been. Is there room at the table for these? Until we as a family can declare that, until we as a family can declare and decree that, we are still stuck where we've always been. For those of you standing in your seat, from the head of this house, I love with everything I've got. In me, you. There is not enough apologies I can say to change what you've been through. But I can promise you from this day forward, in this house, you will never be labeled by the color of your skin or the past that has haunted you. You will always be celebrated, always be loved, always be received. And if it is not, I will escort those who choose not to to the door and tell them to find another family to be a part of. standing in your seat. Will you come up to the front, please? Squeeze in. Get real good and cozy. And turn around and look at me for a second. No, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. If those people that just came up are behind you, move over so they can step up. Come on. I got room for you. Come on. Now, Pastor, that's, that's, that's stupid. No, it's not. This is how we operate. Let me, let me, hold on, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When I moved to New Orleans, when I moved to New Orleans and became a youth pastor, I walked into a youth service. I moved from Tampa, Florida, a very mixed culture, a very mixed culture. I went to a very mixed church. And when I became in the, in this, the youth pastor in New Orleans, I remember my first leadership meeting in the room. I had a, a U-shaped couch. And I walked in the room to do my leadership meeting. I had like 15 kids and adults in the room. And when I walked in the room, the couch was split. White on one side, black on the other. And I walked in the room and I said, I'm leaving. They were like, what? I said, until you can see it and figure it out, I'm not having another leadership meeting. Because leadership happens when you get over your pride. And I walked out. They were like, oh my gosh, he's mad. I was furious. I was angry. Because it wasn't love, it wasn't respect, it wasn't honoring and cherishing. It was separation. I said, enough. I can't do it anymore. I have been praying, and I need everyone to hear this. I have been praying. My wife knows this more than anybody. My, one of my biggest prayers is for us to be a multi-ethnic church. And that is not the popular prayer in Southeast Louisiana. They're like, you crazy. You're right, I am. How do we change it? This is how. We make room for each other. I love you. I'm with you. Let's go get some Popeyes. She said no. You're going by yourself. Amen. But when we're done eating, before you leave, can I just pray for you because I love you? 
So you think that when I finish service, I'm praying as a general prayer. No, I'm praying for you. Because I want God to touch you. I want God to be with you. And when you go through it, man, you don't realize it, but I go through it with you. Because I have fellowship in my heart. That koinonia fellowship. That biblical fellowship. That's what I want. If there is prejudice, if there is pride, give it to God. If you've said things in the past that you know today are wrong, repent and never go back. If you've tried to hurt a brother or a sister in Christ, ask for forgiveness even if they don't know you did it. And love one another. If we will love God and love each other, I believe with everything in me, we will change the course of this country. And we will see God exalted in our government, in our cities, and in our states. But the birthplace of righteousness is in the heart of a believer and in the church as a whole. We must be a body that stands for righteousness. So not because of the cliche moment of unity. But grab the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. Some of y'all might got sweaty hands. It's all right. Just create a little gap in between and it'll breathe. Amen. Just hold, just hold, just hold vicariously. If you keep moving, it's going to get sweatier. Don't move. Don't move. I will not stand for pain in my own home. Got it? And if you are a pain dealer, you're either going to get touched by God and change or you're going to walk out that door. Because I will not have.